what, other, what else do I have to preach other than the Bible? And uh, so Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ, and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia, grace be to you, and peace from God the Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from hell. Is that what your Bible says? No. From this present evil world. Somebody said, I thought God just saved me to keep me out of hell. Well, that's part of it, but there's a whole lot more to it than that. He saved you to help you with your sin problem. According to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. And Paul said, that's pretty good. Amen. You like it. Somebody said, why does the preacher say amen while he's preaching? He agrees with himself. And verse number 6. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you, that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so I say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than, than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of a man, neither was I told it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that I beyond measure persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many of mine equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his Son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and re returned unto Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But other the apostles saw I saved none, saved, uh, none save James the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came to the regions of Syria and Sicilia and was unknown by face unto the church of Judea which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which had persecuted us in, past, in times past now preacheth the faith which he once destroyed. And they glorified God in me. This is such a good book, ain't it? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Well, we really don't have anything else. Lord, God help any other man that would want to try to add anything or take anything from this precious book. Lord, I could go home now just reading my text and already have been encouraged and helped from your word. Help us, God, today to 
preach what you put upon our heart. Lord, I pray, Lord, for this one here that's lost, I pray you'd save them. Or for that one that's walking a cold distance from you, Lord, I pray you'd draw them, Lord, to repentance and, Lord, to revival. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us today that are trying, Lord, the best of our lives are trying to live for God. I pray that you would give us some instruction and exhortation and encouragement from your word. And what you do, we'll thank you and we'll give you glory for it. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. I say this often, I, won't be, I don't want it to be a, cl- a cliche, but I love my Bible. As we come to this epistle of Galatians, we know that Paul is, of course, the human penman. Galatians, if you study it out, is the first of 14 epistles. Paul will sign 13 of them. I believe that Paul wrote Hebrews. I wouldn't argue with you about that. But it is the first of the epistles that Paul will write. This is the only epistle that Paul writes to a group of churches. He will write individually to the church at Corinth, to the church at Ephesus, Colossae. Philippi, things of that nature. But here he writes, he even writes to individuals, Titus, Timothy, Philemon. But here he writes to a group of churches that are scattered throughout Galatia. Oliver Green said that Galatia was a Roman province. It included Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe, all of which were cities that were visited by Paul, and he ministered to them on his first missionary journey. You will find the record of these events in Acts 13 and 14. We won't take the time to read all that, but just if you want to look at it later and kind of give you an overview of what happened in those two chapters in Acts 13, verses 6 through 13, they deal with that man, Bar Jesus, and they confer with him. Verses 14 through 43, Paul preaches salvation at Antioch through justification. He faces opposition. They turn and start ministering to the Gentiles. And Acts 14, the impotent man was healed at Lystra. I heard a fellow one time said, God healed that important man there at Lystra. It's impotent, amen, but that's all right. He was important to God, amen. But Paul was then stoned to death there at Lystra. And it is believed that it is during that time when Paul actually died. And he went to the third heaven that it tells us about in 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. There at the end of the chapter, he ordains elders in every church that they established. We also know this book, Galatians, is different because Paul wrote it with his own hand. At the end of the book, Galatians, he'll say, you see how large a letter I have written unto you with my own hand. A lot of people believe that Paul suffered with bad eyesight. All in, in, in the other's epistles, you'll find that Paul had someone assisting him. He would dictate what God had put in his heart, and somebody else would write it down on his behalf. But Paul wrote Galatians with his own pen. He took pen and paper and wrote to these churches. And the reason I believe Paul done that was because when you read the book of Galatians, and when you read chapter number 1, you find a sense of urgency in Paul. Most of the time when Paul will open up an epistle, he'll say hello to 25 people. He'll say, God bless you, hope you're doing all that stuff. But he does not do that in this text. He makes a quick opening uh, statement, and then he gets right down to business. The reason being is because the churches of Galatia, even though they had been established by the Apostle Paul and by the, by the missionary journey, apostasy and false doctrine had stuck into the churches. There were people that were known as Judaizers. They would come in and they would make statements like this. We believe in Jesus Christ, but we have something wonderful to add to what you already believe. 
In other words, they were adding law to grace. These are the true legalists in the Bible. Now, I've been called a legalist before. I've been called a legalist because I believe a man ought to dress like a man at church and away from church. And I believe a lady ought to dress like a lady at church and away from church. And I've been called a legalist because of that. I've never said that if you don't dress right, you're not saved. You're just not right with God. <laughs> but I've never said you wasn't saved, amen. Uh, I've never said that you have to be, you have to get saved and then you have to be baptized. That's legalism. The Church of Christ are legalists. They say you got to get saved and you got to be water baptized. The Church of God are legalists because they say you got to get saved and you got to receive the second blessing and all that kind of stuff. Amen. The Mormons are legalists because they say you got to have Jesus and the Book of Mormon. Amen. There are all these other religions are legalists. We're the only ones that are right. Amen. And so these people are still, these people were infiltrating and they were fighting against the church. And in fact, they were preaching, we'll get to it in a moment, they were preaching another gospel. Paul says in verse number 6, that I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that calls you to the, unto the grace of Christ unto another gospel. We know that the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And apparently some people had snuck in this church, these Judaizers, and they said, yeah, we believe the gospel. We believe in Jesus. I died and he rose again. But you need to take Moses' law and you still need to obey the Mosaic law in order to be saved. They were adding works to grace. I found an interesting study in this week when Paul said, they've called you to another gospel. Then in verse 11 he said, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. He said, I'm going to tell you, the gospel that this crowd is preaching to you is not from God. It is another gospel. But Paul says, I have the authentic gospel. For a few moments this morning, I want to preach on the authenticity of the gospel. The authenticity of the gospel. You know what they'll do in baseball if somebody the other night they had a fella hit a 700 home run and they tracked that fan down and, and probably bribed him several ways to get that baseball. And the first thing they did when they got that baseball, they took it to an authenticator. And that authenticator would take that baseball, he'd write it down on a piece of paper, and he'd put a sticker on that ball to authenticate that this is the actual baseball that was the 700 home run of Albert Pujols. In other words, he's saying there's not another ball like this. There may be one that looks like this. It may have the same appearance, but it is not the same. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of things out there that appear to be the gospel, but it's not the same. And Paul looked at these churches in Galatians and said, I want you to... To know that the gospel I preached to you when I walked into your town back in Acts 13 and 14 and began to preach, I want you to know it was the real deal, amen. Aren't you glad this morning we're not in the dark? Aren't you glad we're not stuck in false doctrine? But aren't you glad we have the authentic word of God and we have the gospel, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and we don't have to doubt it. I notice a few things in this chapter. First of all, I want us to note in verses 1 through 3, the man of God. As this text opens up, Paul kind of does it by introducing himself to the recipients of this letter. In our modern culture, at the end of a letter, we sign a letter, but in this culture, they would sign a letter at the beginning. And they would, they would start off their letter in that manner. We find, first of all, the calling of the man of God. In verse number 1, Paul, an apostle, 
not of men, neither by man. Paul starts off his epistle right off by saying, I ain't mama called and daddy sent. He said, I was not labeled by the ministerial association. He said, but I was called of God. One man said, I'm afraid we have too many ministers, preachers, evangelists today who are ministers of men, called by men and sent by men, and their message is to please men. Some men, they are, they, that's why they are controlled by their congregations and controlled by those who listen to them. They don't want to offend anybody. Look, my purpose is not to offend anybody this morning, but if the gospel offends you and if the word of God offends you, you just want to get offended. Hey man, I, I don't mean that uh, arrogant or proud this morning, but Paul said, I was not called by a man. There was no man on the Damascus Road, Acts 9, when Paul was saved by the grace of God. The Bible said they saw no man. They just heard a voice. There's the calling, there's the commissioning. He said, not of men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Notice immediately Paul wanted everybody to know that the God that called him, saved him and called him was the same God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. Paul, Paul was not seeking the approval of the ministerial association in this text. He said, but I am called by God. Years ago, our Baptist forefathers, even in this state, were imprisoned and beaten and tortured because they would not accept the approval of the state upon their ministry. They did not want the state putting their hands upon their ministry to take a license to preach. They wanted nothing only but the approval of God. And that should still be our desire today. There's the companions in verse number 2. And all the brethren which are with me. Paul reminds in this text that he was not alone. But he had other brethren with him. Thank God for the family of God. There's nobody like them. There's, there's nobody like God's people this morning. And Paul said, I, he said, I want to encourage you. I was called by God. I was commissioned by God. But I'm not the only one trying to serve God. I'll tell you what happens many times in a church like ours. We'll think we're the only one trying to do right. We'll think we're the only one that still dresses right. We're the only one that still preaches right. But I want you to know there are other good men of God out there. There are other good churches who are still waving the bloodstained banner who are still preaching the gospel who are still seeing people saved and supporting missions thank God we're not the only ones this morning there is the churches in verse number 2 under the churches of Galatia notice where Paul was commissioned or sent to he was sent to churches he was sent to the ministry of the local church when God calls and commissions a man he will always do so through the local church Amen. We don't support any ministry that is not that is not affiliated with the local church. We don't do that. That's why we don't support the Gideons. It got quiet right there. Amen. I'm not against, I'm against the false Bibles the Gideons pass out, but I've had, I've had the Gideons, and I know there are some good representations of the, I, I understand all that, but I'm telling you, that's why they don't, they don't have a church they're local through. Amen. It got quiet right there. I'm, either that's right or it's right. Amen. There's no, it's not wrong, so it has to be right. There is, there is the church's God centers his work in this dispensation of the grace of God through the local church. There is the conveying in verse 3, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. 
these are two things, God's grace and peace, they always come together. When God saved you by His grace, immediately came the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. There's the man of God in verses 1 through 3, but then, secondly, there is the message of the gospel in verses 4 and 5. Notice what he says. Notice, notice the desire of God in verse 4. Who gave himself for our sins. Notice he did not have to die for his own sins. But he gave himself for our sins. Did you know this morning that the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is a gospel of giving? God gave the Son. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But then the Son gave Himself as a sacrifice. The Bible said, Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay my life down that I might take it again. No man take it from me, but I lay it down myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it up again. So the Father gave the Son and the Son gave Himself as a sacrifice. But then the saved, we give the story. Amen. Those of us who have received the grace of God, know what we're doing, we're supposed to give it out and we're supposed to tell others. Amen. It is the desire. He gave Himself. Then there's the deliverance. Why? I touched on this a moment ago. That he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Once again this morning, if the night or the morning you got saved, the only reason you could, could muster up in your mind why you wanted to get saved is so that because you, you didn't want to go to hell. That's not a bad reason. That's a great reason. That's why most of us got saved. Amen. Amen. But that wasn't the main reason God saved you. That's a benefit. But he saved us in this text from the, to deliver us from this evil present world. May I remind you when God created Adam and Eve there in the Garden of Eden, they were in a perfect environment. God walked with them in the cool of the day. The Bible said the voice of God came walking in the cool of the day. A voice don't walk. It was Jesus Christ. Walking through that garden with Adam and Eve. But when Adam and Eve sat in that garden, it separated God and man. And it plunged humanity into sin. And man became tainted. And God could have thrown Adam and Eve into hell and started all over again. But aren't you glad his desire was to deliver us from this evil present world? You know what his desire was? His desire was to save us and change us and take us to heaven one day and give us a glorified body. So here for this reason, you know why? So he could be reconciled to God. You know, in the millennial reign, the, the blessing of the millennial reign is that God will be their God and be with them. He's going to walk with us once again. In fact, you read through the book of Isaiah in those millennial passages, we will go up to see the Lord. Some of y'all look like you've never heard that before. Where have you been the last 10 years? Amen. We're going to see him. We're going to fellowship with him. And we won't have these bodies that are cursed. And we won't have this flesh that is tainted and wicked. Thank God there's coming a day when I'll sin my last time. When I'll think the wrong thought for the last time. When I'll say the wrong thing for the last time. Because we'll be changed. In the mo Anybody listen to me? In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that is the power of the gospel. The deliverance in this text. The desire in this text, notice it is according to the will of God and our Father. What is the will of God? He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So we know, I, I was reading this week, talking about 
throughout this epistle, Paul emphasizes grace, grace, grace. Not works. Amen. Not keeping the law. Not doing better. So you ask people, and we'll have to finish this up tonight. I won't get it all done this morning. But you talk and ask people, are you 100% sure if you died today you're going to heaven? Oh, yeah. You, you can't find a lost person anymore. They all saved. I mean, they could be drinking a Budweiser and smoking on a cigarette, buying lottery tickets, listening to rock and roll music, dressed like a heathen. You say, are you saved? You better believe I'm saved. Well, how do you know you're saved? Well, I'm doing better. Or I've been baptized. Or I've joined the church. Or I'm this or that. If they give any other answer, then they have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and they have believed the gospel. They ain't saved. Amen. D.L. Moody said the thief on the cross had nails through both hands so he can't work his way to heaven. He had a nail through each foot so he can't run enough errands for the Lord to get to heaven. He couldn't lift a hand or a foot towards his salvation. You see what Jesus did? He offered him the free gift of salvation. That's a picture of a sinner. He can't work. He can't even go to church. He stuck where he's at. But God in eternity allowed Jesus to hang on that cross next to that man so he couldn't walk his way and he couldn't earn his way. But he could cry out to Jesus with a dying breath and the dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. Jesus said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Thank God for the message of the gospel. It is a message of deliverance. Now we got guys that are preaching a message of deliverance right now. Deliverance ministries. But it's amazing their deliverance ministry has no implication of the gospel whatsoever. It's all about smacking somebody in the head and all that kind of stuff. We talked about that last week in Sunday school. That is not biblical deliverance. Biblical deliverance is when you believe the gospel and you believe that Jesus died. and he. I know y'all have heard this before, but let me get it out of my heart, all right? When Jesus died and he rose again on the third day and you say, you know what? I'm not trusting in my church membership. I'm not trusting in water baptism. I'm not trusting what I could do but nothing in my hands I bring simply to the cross I cling what can wash away my sins nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus I tell you it ain't signing a card it ain't being ducked it ain't coming before the church but it's believing the gospel and I got to be careful in all this but it's amazing a bunch of these meetings where a bunch of people get saved and there ain't no gospel preaching they got a lot of caskets. These jokers will put a casket up in front of everybody and, and, and preach and put a mirror in there and let people come by and see themselves in a casket so they'll want to get saved. But they don't preach the gospel. Hello? They got, they, uh, they got, they've got a lot of, lot of uh, excitement, a lot of things, and, and they've and they got a lot of things going and horns blowing and all that stuff, but they don't have the gospel. They don't preach that Jesus died and that he rose again. On the third day. Ain't it amazing how Paul, he don't have a computer. He don't have a car. He, he did have a GMC. Did you know that? He had a GMC. He had a great moving camel. Amen. That was his GMC right there. And if you got a GMC, you ain't got much better than that, all right? But anyway. Ooh. <laughs> But what I'm telling you this morning is Paul didn't have any of that stuff. But here's what he had right. He said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it 
What is the it? The gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So there, let me finish up this point, at least get to verse number 5. There is a, in this message of the gospel, there is a desire and the deliverance, but there is the delight in verse number 5. To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul said, if there's anything that I can glory in, if there's anything I can praise God for, it's the fact that one day the message of the gospel came to where Isaiah. Hey, I'm telling you this morning, we've all heard bad preachers. Amen. We've all been in some bad services. But you ought to thank God that the morning you got saved or the night you got saved, there was a preacher that had a Bible and had a touch of heaven on his soul. And he didn't tell you funny stories. And he didn't try to tickle your ears. But he got up. And he may not have preached John 3, 16. He may not have preached on the cross that night. But somewhere along the way, you had heard the gospel. And that night, God spoke to your heart. Amen. And God touched your soul. And you got saved. And Paul said, to whom be glory forever. And notice the direction of this glory. To whom? You know... God saved Paul. Are y'all getting a hold of any of this? Paul, God saved Paul in such a miraculous way, a preacher couldn't take credit for it. You know how? Ain't no preacher around there. <laughs> if there had been a preacher there, Paul would have killed him. So there ain't no preacher. Nobody could write in their newsletter, praise God, we have, oh, Saul of Tarsus got saved this month. Ain't no preacher there. There's no church there. Paul would have killed it. But Paul's salvation, who's Paul going to brag on his salvation? He ain't going to brag on himself. He's trying to kill Christians. He's trying to destroy the church. He'll say that later in Galatians 1. He wasted it. He's trying to destroy it. But God showed up. And God spoke out of heaven. By the way, somebody said, well, I wish God would have saved me like that. He did. He spoke out of heaven. Because forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. So when God saved you, he spoke out of heaven. And he shined, and a light shined on Paul. Well, hallelujah, the gospel light was shining when you got saved. Amen. And Paul said, I'm going to tell you right now, there wasn't no preacher could get the credit. And there wasn't no church that could get the credit. But I tell you, there was nobody on that road but me and my, my friends, and they wasn't going to get me to God. Oh, but God showed up in my life, and I heard a voice, and the light began to shine. You know what Paul said? Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? There wasn't no denying who that was. There's a lot of confusion getting some revival services and camp meeting services and all that. And there'll be a lot of confusion on whether or not it's God. Paul didn't sit around and say, I wonder if that was God. Hello? That tells me when it's Holy Ghost conviction, you won't have to wonder about it. And I, I'll, I'll get into this tonight. I've got to be careful. That's why i got a problem in going to some of these meetings that I'm in, and I know y'all ain't there, but let me just vent for a minute, all right? I go to these meetings, and I'll see people in the altar, and thank God they're in the altar. And I've seen them 10, 20, 30 minutes. Preacher after preacher go down there, pray with them. And yes, what's going on? They can't get their salvation settled. They can't figure out if they're saved or lost. Come on now. They just don't know if they're saved or lost. It ain't hard. It's either you're saved or you're lost. Hello? 
Either you trust Jesus or you don't. But I don't feel. Ha, 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 we, ain't, we ain't talking about feelings. I didn't say, we ain't, we ain't talking about saying. I didn't cry crocodile tears. Show me where Paul cried in Acts 9. Hello? Show me where Paul prayed in Acts 9. You know what he said? Lord, what you want me to do? God don't have lost people do anything. God saved them and called them to preach at the same time. Did he or did he not? Acts 9. I'm telling you, when you begin to base your salvation on what I said, how I felt, come on now. It ain't God. Amen. The devil's the, God's not the author of confusion. That only leaves one person. There's the description. He said, to whom be glory. Let me, let me say this, and I'm done. We'll finish up the rest of it tonight, Lord willing. But I'll tell you, one thing that bothers me, and, and, and I've been in church all my life, so far, because my life ain't over yet, hopefully. I hope it ain't over yet. Amen. But I've been in church all my life, and I see it so much. And, and I had a friend of mine, he went to preach for a, another preacher I know, and he said, I got there that Sunday morning. You know, preachers have really messed up salvation. I mean, they messed it up bad, real bad. Here's an example of it. My friend showed up, he's an evangelist, he showed up to preach one Sunday morning, and, and the pastor said, come over here, I need you to talk to this sister. She's trying to get saved. She's having a hard time to get saved. The preacher said, okay. He walked over there, ladies over there, with a couple of ladies standing with her. He said, ma'am? She said, yeah. He said, are you lost? She said, yeah. He said, you believe, she, you believe you're, if you die today, you go to hell? He said, yes, sir. He said, do you believe that Jesus died for you? He was buried and he rose again on the third day. She said, yes, sir. He said, do you believe that Jesus will save you? She said, yes, sir. He said, I don't see what the problem is. The problem is, made that, preacher, made that pastor mad, because it's all sensational. It's all got to be emotional. Now, if you cry when you got saved, God bless your heart. I cried when Georgia won the national championship. Don't look at me like that. If y'all had a football team do something, you might cry too. Amen. I, I mean, you, people are emotional. Just because you cried don't mean you got saved. But just because you didn't cry don't mean you didn't get saved. It ain't an emotional response. It ain't an outward response. For the heart, man believeth unto righteous. And with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. But we got preachers running across this country. And even been in our area recently. They have to make it so sensational. You have to make it so confusing. You have to make it like if it wasn't just like it was when I got saved, then you didn't get it. I'll say more about it tonight, but I heard a fellow say, I don't care. He talked about this fellow that had got saved. I think I may mention it last Sunday morning. He said, Now, he made a profession 10 years ago when I was in this meeting. He said, But this year, I think he really got it. He said, And I don't care if he makes 10 more professions. I do. Because God gives peace, and God gives assurance. Through what? Through the message of the gospel. But I'm telling you, and we'll get to it tonight in verse 6, but Paul said, I'm just marvel that you're so soon removed. Whenever you and I begin to base our salvation on us, on our performance, on our prayer, on our, well, if I saved, I wouldn't have done that. Really? David committed adultery and had a man killed. David's pretty saved. Amen. Peter cursed and denied the Lord three times. 
Peter's pretty saved. I'm not excusing our sin this morning, but you don't base your salvation on your performance. You don't base it on your prayer. And you don't even base it on your preacher. I know people say, well, I, got, I know I got saved because so-and-so was preaching. I got saved. That don't mean nothing. Somebody probably believed Jesus under the ministry of Judas. That don't mean nothing. But I'm telling you, if you base it on what God said, he ain't a liar. If you, I hope this is helping somebody this morning. It's just helping me talk about it. There's people that struggle in our churches. And I'm an emotional person. I like shouting. I like rejoicing. I like all of that. But at the end of the day, a shout ain't going to help you on Monday with your doubt. But this book will. This Bible will. I come to a, and I'm done right here. I come to a point. I, I, I've struggled with my salvation before. I have. And here's why I finally came to. I finally came to this. I said, Lord, I believe your word. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I believe he was buried. I believe he rose again. And I have put my faith and my trust in Jesus Christ and that message of the gospel. This makes some of my buddies nervous. But you can bring Percy Ray back and he, him preach red light of hell. It ain't going to bother me. J. Harold Smith, God's Three Deadlines, preach on. Ain't going to bother me. R.G. Lee, payday someday, ain't going to bother me. Sammy Allen, ten reasons why not to go to hell, ain't going to bother me. A preacher can't shake it. You know why? I got the book on it. I believe what God said. Is God a liar? Help me, church. If God made a promise, and if God said you would believe the gospel, it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone. That, hallelujah. To every, I'm glad I'm one of the everyone. And I believe the gospel. And as a five-year-old boy, when I came to Christ, thank God he took me. And if you came to him, he took you too. You know why? Because it's the authenticity of the gospel. We'll finish it up tonight. Let's stand together. I appreciate your attention. There might be someone here this morning. You've been battling with this thing about salvation. The assurance of your salvation. Look, you may be here. You may be lost. If you say, preacher, I know I'm saved because I, I, I've been baptized. Or my mama prayed with me. Or my preacher prayed with me. I don't care if John the Baptist prayed with you. You don't base it on that. Well, preacher, I know I'm saved because I...